0: This morning, we will continue in our series of Genesis. We finished Genesis chapter 1, basically, Genesis chapter 2 as well. In Genesis chapter 2, we basically focused on four provisions showing God's goodness. He gave us for our goodness what? He gave us four things. Can we all read that? Okay, there are four of you. Can we all read this together? Now, you want rest. I'm sure we all like to rest. You like responsibility? Do you like rules? Mm. Do you like relationships? Of course, I love relationships. But we don't like the two middle ones. We usually don't want responsibility. We usually don't want rules. We like the good stuff but that when it comes to the hard to do stuff we don't really like it right if you're human like me I don't really like it but God has said this for what purpose for our good god does not give us things for our detriment he gives us things for our good so in all of his creation he gave these four basic provisions for our good. If you believe and trust that Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit has only your good intent in their minds, then nothing that God tells you would be a burden. Because your foundation is the goodness of God. But if you do not believe that God is a good God, you will always struggle. Why do we have to come at worship at 930 Why is it on a Sunday? You always struggle with it. Why do do they have tithes and offerings? Everything will be a struggle. Because you don't believe or you're not fully convinced in the goodness of God. But if you are convinced, I submit to you, nothing that God commands you will be a burden. We studied the book of Genesis because Genesis is the book of beginnings. Beginnings. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God. When there was absolutely nothing, there was God. Before anything else, there was God. And what did he do? He created. He created the heavens and the earth, you and I. Is God good? All the time. Are you ashamed to say that God is good? God is good. All the time. And all the time? God is good God Elohim Almighty Creator he spoke and it came to being and he said let there be light it was done it was good everything was good and he created relationships he created man and woman but the most vital relationship he created between God and And his creation. He said in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we are created beings. Only humankind is made in the image and likeness of God. I was driving here this morning with my wife and I listened to a pastor in in the car and he said, only human beings have self-consciousness and self-determination. Animals who are not created in the image of God do not have that. They have instinct. They cannot determine what they will do because they are not created in the image and likeness of God. Only humankind, only you and I have been given the free will to choose. Only you and I. And God created us complementary to each other. He gave us male and female. He created them. Have you noticed in the animal kingdom, they are not confused? If I am a male doe, uh, a female doe, you look for a male deer. There's no conflict. Only humankind who was given free will, they choose. Unfortunately, nowadays, they go against the design of God. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we see a different introduction. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, he said, And God created the heavens and the earth. Right? In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, however, he introduces himself to us quite differently. He says, then, the Lord God. The word Lord, Yahweh, means I am who I am. If you read your Bible, and you know that in the book of Exodus, God introduced himself to Moses and he said, what if they ask who you are? What if they ask who sent me? He said, tell them I am sent you. So God introduces himself in a different way in Genesis chapter 2. He is not only creator, he is now a personal God, the Lord God, the personal name of God. Yahweh. God goes by many names. In Genesis 1 verse 1, Elohim, Adonai, Jehovah, Yahweh. God is a personal God. How personal that he would create us in his own image. He created us in his own image, male and female, he created them. And look at what Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 10. From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Who said this? Jesus. What does this mean about the book of Genesis? What is the implication that Jesus Christ himself would quote from Genesis? It confirms. It says that Jesus Christ believed in the book of Genesis. You see, there are people there here today, even, who don't believe in the book of Genesis. Why? Oh, Nobody was there. So who wrote? Who said? But Jesus Christ himself validates the account of the book of Genesis. It's consistent with the book of Genesis. Male and female He created them. And for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. Therefore, they are no longer two, but one. God's design for marriage. God's design for permanency of the bond of matrimony. God's design of only two genders, male and female. There was no one suitable for Adam, so God took it upon himself to create Eve. That is God's design. This morning we will continue. And as we look into Genesis chapter 3, the title of this morning's message is simply, Assume Responsibility. Why don't we stand and pray this morning before we continue as we delve into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here to worship you. Thank you, Lord God, that you've set aside this Sabbath, that we can come together as a body of Christ to give you the worship due the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord God, we pray that through the preaching of your word, you will speak to all of us as you have been helping me, Lord, put this message together. Be the one to speak through me to your people. And may your your word find fertile soil in the hearts of everyone here this morning. Give us wisdom, give us understanding, but above all, give us the desire to obey your word. This is our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Genesis chapter 3 comes after what? Oh. <laughs> Lana. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's go home. <laughs> Are you gising kayo? Genesis, see, I wanted to test you if you were awake. Genesis chapter 3 comes after Genesis 2. Guess what comes after Genesis 3? Oh, you see, this group is alive. (laughs) They are awake. (laughs) All right. Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, God has said, you shall not eat from the tree of the garden. Now, who were we introduced to? A serpent. Now, who is this? Who is this serpent? From one end of the Bible, we go to the closing end. Revelation chapter 12, verse 19. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So who is the serpent? Referred to in Genesis chapter 1. In in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Who? And how? By how does he go? Serpent. What else? Dragon. Serpent of old. Satan. Devil. He goes by many names. He might go by the name of your wife. He might go by the name of your husband. Why? Sometimes, when you're really hot headed and you're in a rage, what? Oh, you see. You understand what I'm saying, right? You understand what I'm saying. Satagalog, nanlili si kang mata. Alright. Now, just to know. Just, to, just just for us to get an understanding who the enemy is, okay? He's the devil. He's the serpent. He's the dragon. He's called devil. He's called Satan. Because many people focus on that. Who is really the saint? Is he really Satan? What is he called? He's one and the same. Right? Now, is he alone? What happened to him? He was thrown down. And some of his angels were thrown down with him. All right? Now, what happened? Why was he thrown down? Look, in Ezekiel. you were in Eden. Where was Genesis chapter 3, verse 1? In Eden, in the garden. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Ruby, topaz, diamond, beryl, Onyx, jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, emerald, gold, and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you, you were created, they were prepared. Wow. We have two, three jobs to acquire these precious stones. Gold. Wow. Setting platinum, wow! IGA ang bato. Oh, you see, you know, ayan. Huli kayo. Huli kayo. Alam niyo mga IGA, huh? Okay. Ask me later. Look how beautiful this angel is. The most beautiful angel God ever created. The most beautiful angel God created. Now look, you were were the anointed cherub who covers and I place you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Until unrighteousness was found in you. Where was Satan prior to him being thrown down? He was with God. He was on the holy mountains. He walked over the fiery stones until until something happened, until unrighteousness was found in Him. What unrighteousness? Isaiah 14 tells us, But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the North. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the Most High. How many times do you see I? See, when you're always talking about yourself, brother or sister, be careful you might have the problem of bride. He was the most beautiful angel God created. He was the most adorned angel that God created. But when he wanted to be God, that unrighteousness was found in him and he was thrown down from heaven. Pride is a killer. And that's why we know the antidote for pride, correct? What's the antidote for pride? Humility. I was thinking about that word being a Filipino. Humility. Who? Me! Humility. Who, me? Ako lang yun. Who was thrown down? The most beautiful angel created by God because pride had set in. So what happened? Know that this devil, this Satan is our enemy. 1 Peter 3 says, be on the alert. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, No wonder, for Satan disguises himself as what? As an angel of light. So how can we defeat this enemy who deceives us, even masquerading or disguising himself as an angel of light? We, know to, we need to know the Word of God. Because if we do not know the Word of God, we will lose. Do not be deceived. Our enemy is powerful. But know that that enemy is defeated. We have to know who our enemy is, but we also have to know that that enemy has been defeated. His strategy, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, and what is his strategy? who deceives the whole world. So his strategy is deception. Now deception always has some truth. Right? You, when you are deceived, you know that there is some truth to that deception. It's not a 100% lie, but it's not a 100% truth either. For example, guapo, guapo. Can I go shopping? <laughs> now, what's the deception? What's the deception? Right? Here's the deception. And he said to the woman, This is the serpent. There's a conversation going on between the serpent and the woman. And, and he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? You see the question mark? Think about the tone by which the serpent is talking with Eve. Did God really say that you may not eat from the tree in the garden? What did she say? What was Satan trying to deceive Eve about? What was his strategy? He wanted to sprinkle a little doubt. Did God really say? Those of you, when you have accountability, accountability, the Bible ba talaga yan? Did God really say? Well, how did she respond? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. Yes or no? Correct or no? Yes! God commanded them to eat. So this is correct. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Did God say that if you eat of the tree, you will die? Still correct? Yes or no? Ah, we have a divide. In Genesis chapter 2, 17, God said, You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, Eve said, God said, you shall not eat from it, or touch it, or you will die. Same or not same? Pinahirapan ko lang kayo. Same or not? Did God say you cannot touch it? God never said you cannot touch it. God never said you cannot pluck it. God said, do not eat. If you do not know the word of God, Satan will try to deceive you by sowing doubt. And then, because you're not equipped, you do not read your Bible, you have the tendency to distort it. Very simple. Pastor, I, I even added. My standard is even higher See, God said, do not eat. I said, do not eat and do not touch. That's not the the argument. The argument is, do you know the word of God? Because your word of God is your only defense. So what happened? Because a little doubt was sown, her understanding of the command of God became distorted. Verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So from doubt, you have distortion. And then what is the strategy of the devil? He wants to deceive you. What? He wants to deny the word of God. Notice, God said, You Will surely die. How does he respond? You surely will not die. A direct attack on the word of God. God said, this is the consequence. He says, no, it's not going to happen. What else? He said in the same verse, verse 5. For God knows. In the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God. So how does the devil want to purport God? He wants to destroy the very character of God. God is selfish. He doesn't want you to be like Him. Why can you not eat of that tree? Oh, nga. Oh, nga. Wait. What part of the garden was at their disposal? Everything. Except that one tree. Instead of seeing the goodness of God, you see God is selfish. Why does he allow you not to eat from that tree? You see the deception of the devil? That's why there's this phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. I have a house, I have a car, I have a job. Why does a bigger house, newer car, newer wife? (laughs) (laughs) You have the whole garden. You have the whole garden. But the devil would like you and I to think, That God is depriving us of something. So he wants to destroy the very character of God. Is God good? But the devil would like to convince you that he is selfish. That he does not want you to enjoy. That's why he's giving you these rules and regulations. These responsibilities. That is deception, my friend. And if you allow the devil... He will succeed what did Eve do when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was a delight to the eyes and that tree was desirable for making one wise she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate so what happened basically what They disobeyed, but let me ask you. I do not have the exact dimensions of the Garden of Eden, but what is the business of Eve being in the area where the forbidden tree is planted? I think Filipino. For the benefit of our American friends Do not cross Dangerous Okay Do not urinate here Do not throw the garbage here Eve Don't eat of the tree Where's the tree? for you for Eve to appreciate the characteristics of the fruit where should she be for her to be able to appreciate this yes she should be she should be arm's length because she saw the fruit and what did she say this fruit is good for food it's beautiful I think it will make me wise and what did she do right Genesis now look at this in 1st John chapter 2 again towards the end of the Bible for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life. Does that sound familiar? Do they look almost the same? First John two. What's the problem with that? God said, that is what? Pride. That's pride. Same problem that threw Satan from heaven down to the earth. That's pride. Eve was deceived, and she disobeyed. She disobeyed. She took from its fruit and ate, and gave to her husband with her, he ate. Now what if Eve just pulled the fruit? Did she disobey? What was the disobedience? disobedience? The eating. God said, don't eat. For if you eat, you will surely die. The real transliteration of that is, if you eat of the fruit, dying, you will surely die. You see, they didn't die instantaneously, did they? Because if God said, and God said, do not eat, if you eat, you will die. Adam and Eve ate. Did they die? But they began to die, as we will see later. She ate. And she gave some to her husband with her. And what? He ate. Friends, fathers, heads of the family. What was Adam doing? Nothing. He was not doing anything. He let his wife be exposed to the devil. He let the conversation with the devil go on. He did not protect his wife. He did not lead his wife. He did not counsel his wife. He just let Eve get the fruit and eat. And when Eve gave her some, they both disobeyed God. They disobeyed God. And what happened? What was the result of this disobedience? Then the eyes of both of them were open, And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. You see, friends, sin brings with it immediate gratification. Satan will tell you, sin is pleasurable. And it is. If Satan will tell you, You know you sin against God. You will have problem. You will have tribulation. You will have a hard time. Go ahead and sin. Will you sin? Of course not. But if you say sin is nice. Nobody will know. I will not tell them. Go ahead. Nobody is watching. Will you do it? Maybe. Why? Because the temptation is stronger. Because the attraction is pleasurable. No one wants to commit sin because they want the pain. They will want to commit sin because they want to experience the forbidden fruit. You understand what I'm saying? There's immediate gratification. Their eyes were opened. The devil knew. He said, God doesn't want you to eat. Because if you eat, your eyes will be open. You will be like him. And when they ate, what happened? Their eyes were open. But instead of being like God, what happened? Oops. They were naked. But in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 25, the Bible says, And the man and woman were naked, and they were not ashamed. All of a sudden, now that they had disobeyed God, what happened? They were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. They made covering. They made themselves loin cover. <laughs> they made themselves WKR <laughs> Brad. They made themselves loin coverings. When they sinned God, are you talking to me? (laughs) Yes, Lord. (laughs) Guilty, Lord. (laughs) Look at what happened. When they ate, uh, their eyes were open. They felt embarrassed. Why? They were naked. Is there a problem there? I can use the handheld. You want me to use the handheld? Oh, okay. It's for the downstairs people. Don't worry. They were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. They made for themselves loin coverings. They were embarrassed. They were ashamed. There was no such thing in Genesis chapter 2.25 because they hadn't partaken of the forbidden fruit yet. But when they sinned against God, when they chose to disobey, they saw themselves for who they really are. And they decided to cover themselves. They felt shame. Not only that, they tried to cover up. They took fig leaves and sewed them together to make coverings for their nakedness. Their nakedness, which had no malice, had now been malicious. Now, if you try to sew fig leaves together... To make coverings, I submit to you, you can cover yourselves. But for how long? The moment you cut that fig leaf from the tree, that begins to wither and die. Yes? So after a while, you will have to cut some more fig leaves, sew them together to make coverings again and again and again. You have to keep on covering yourself up. not only that, in verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. When they sinned, not only were they embarrassed, they hid themselves from God. Imagine you are Adam and Eve. Your wife is Adam and Eve. And you're walking in the cool of the garden. And you're walking and talking with God. God, why did you create the giraffe with a long neck? Well, because I want him to eat from the high trees. Ah, oh, makes sense. And all of a sudden, when sin enters to the, in the picture, you don't want to be with God. You begin to evade God. You want to run away from God, you want to hide away from God. Why? Because you know that you have sinned, because you know that you have disobeyed. When you and I fall into sin, we run away from God. When you and I are not sinning against God, we like to be close to God, yes? Oh, but when we sin, we don't want to hear anything about God. You know, some of us have counseled people And they have told us outright, Hey, stop calling me anymore. I know what I'm doing. Because they want to run away from God. They want to evade the issue. More so, what happened? Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was. Now, why would they be afraid? This is the good God who created them, who gave them work, who gave them responsibility, who gave them rules, who gave them relationships. Why would you be afraid? Fear entered the picture because they disobeyed God. Now, did God know where they were? GPS, location. Adam, can you drop me a ping? I can't see you where you are. Oh, there. God knows. God knows everything there is to know about Adam and Eve, just as God knows everything there is to know about you and I. You and I cannot hide anything from God. You can hide from people, but you cannot hide anything from God. God knew where Adam and Eve was. Where are you? He calls. And Adam talks to God and said, I heard you. I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid, so I hid. Verse 11. He said, "Uh, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Now you have accountability. Look at God's style of accountability. He did not bear down on Adam. He still gave him a chance to come clean. Who told you? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat up? See that? Oh, I hope Young people, those of you in groups That when you have your discipleship and accountability meetings You don't use the word of Be gentle Brother, sister Is that what you think God wants for you to do? Look at what it says here in this verse What do you believe God wants you to do? You don't use the Bible as a baseball bat to hit over the head Look at God God, by this time, already knew what happened. God already knew that Adam and Eve had disobeyed him. Yet, in his style of holding them accountable, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the tree about which I told you not to eat? You have to assume responsibility. God gave you the garden for your pleasure. But Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. Because Eve was deceived. But Adam partook of the fruit, eyes wide open. And when God holds them accountable, beautiful. (laughs) The man said, the woman whom you gave me (laughs) to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. I call this misdirection. Because there is some truth. Did Adam eat? Yes. But why did he eat? Oh, because the woman. Oh, by the way, God, let me remind you. You made this woman. You gave me this woman. And she gave me, therefore, I ate. Correct? Misdirection blame easier to blame others it was his fault this that why the reason why i use the word misdirection is then is some acknowledgement but then there's still finger pointing yes i ate but <laughs> then the lord god said to the woman what is this that you have done the woman said the serpent The serpent deceived me. If I will add something here, the serpent that you made, the serpent that you threw down from heaven, the serpent deceived me and then I ate. Friends, when we start blaming people, when we do not assume responsibility, eventually, the blame goes up all the way to God. Children, Why are my parents like this? Oh, why did God give me these parents? (laughs) Children, you do not know your parents are also asking God the same thing. (laughs) God, why did you give me these children? (laughs) God, my parents... They always discourage me. God, my children, they always dishonor me. Let's assume responsibility. We have our role to play. We have our own accountability to God. Don't do this. It's never my fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Oyan, may highpipe pa do nyo When we fall, Be accountable to God. Just be honest with God. You can't trick God anyway. They tried to hide. God found them out. If you're hiding from God, brother or sister, I'm telling you this morning, God is looking for you. He is searching for you. He wants you to come back. Don't run away. Run towards God. Don't blame others. Account for your sin. Come to God and He will accept you. After pointing directions at each other because of their disobedience. And may I just ask you, how many times did they eat? Do you have a version in the Bible that says they ate and ate and ate and ate? And they took some to bring home so that they could eat some more. Me take home pa? Pilipino talaga. They only got one fruit. Eve had one bite. Adam had one bite. That was enough for them to sin. That sin was not eating that sin was disobeying the word of God. All you need, all I need to do is commit one sin against God. Why? Because God is holy. God is holy. And even if he's holy, even if he loves us, when we disobey his word, when we go against his will for us, we have consequences. We are all free to make choices, but we are not free to escape the consequences of those choices. So just like Adam and Eve, who made the choice to disobey God, disregard His word, when they took of the fruit and disobeyed God and ate consequence. God to the man. And then, the man the man. God to the man, the man to the woman, the woman to the serpent, right? The Lord God sent, now reverse. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. When you open the drawer, I, 45 caliber. No. But if you open the drawer and there is a snake, I, oh, you see? Nah. Some of us just the idea, the idea that there is a snake. Some of us, even a worm. Right? Eee. Gives you the shivers. I, I, I personally don't like snakes. I have been told that if you hold them, they feel like denim. Eee. Even the idea to touch the snake, I really don't like. You're cursed, serpent. From now on, you will crawl on your belly. You will be feared even among the animal kingdom. And then I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is the curse to Satan. And then to the woman to the woman he said i will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth in pain you will bring forth children yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you women mothers if you could have children without pain would you have more children yes. <laughs> Do you know that I am the seventh of nine children? (laughs) With one stillborn? I don't think they had anything else to do during the war. (laughs) But look, women, honestly. You know, if you had no pain in childbirth, maybe you would think about having more children, right? But it is a curse. Because Eve... Sinned against God, she was cursed. From now on, when you give birth, there is going to be excruciating pain. I was in the hospital before, and then, you know, after the operation, they put you beside uh, somebody in the recovery room. I was asleep, still under anesthesia, and then I was awakened by this mother here about to give birth. I think she was Japanese. Because I could not understand what she was shouting, "Itai! Itai! Itai!" So I was awoken. No, I, I, she was a foreigner. I think she was Japanese, really. But I didn't like to look that way. She was pain, pain in childbirth. Imagine because of one act of disobedience. And not only that, look at that word that I highlighted. Your desire will be for your husband. You know, when I first saw this, ah, it's like crazy, no? You have pain in childbirth, but you want kids. So your desire, so it's like, no, something is wrong. Until I discovered that word desire, okay, does not mean longing for your husband. You know, you have pain, and then you still want, you know, to have relations with your husband so that you can have more pain in delivering more kids. (laughs) That's not the idea. That word desire is this. Look in Genesis chapter 4. If you do well, Will, you not, will your countenance not be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. That word desire in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, which is also used in Genesis chapter 4, means that the woman will desire to control the husband. Instead, of woman complimenting man, woman would like to compete with man. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. But who did God put to rule over the world? Man. You see the consequence of sin? The serpent will crawl on his belly, the woman will have pain in childbirth, and she will want. To dominate the man whom God put in charge that's why you have conflict because when man and woman does not abide by the design of God to follow who is the leader and who is the follower then you have conflict and instead of assuming responsibility it's always their fault never your fault I tell the people under me in any conflict You have a contribution, the other person has a contribution. Therefore, ask for forgiveness for your contribution to the conflict. You cannot fight by yourself. (laughs) You have a fight with your spouse, you have a fight with your parents, but you have an accountability, you have a responsibility because you have a contribution to the issue. So, hone up. Ask for your forgiveness for your contribution to the problem. Because if not, you and I will also be guilty of pride. You have to be humble enough to admit that I have a role, I have a contribution to this conflict. Serpent, you will crawl from now on. You will be feared by all the animal kingdom. People will fear you. To the woman, you're going to suffer pains in childbirth. You will want to dominate your husband. That's not my design. But then you sin. Instead of harmony and peace, you will have discord. To the man, then Adam, then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toy you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now guys, I'm not saying that you should not listen to your wife. But if your wife is telling you something that goes against the word of God, you should not listen to your wife. Wives, if your husbands are telling you something that is against the word of God, you have a right not to obey your husband. Because the higher authority is the word of God. That's why you and I should know the word of God. So that we are not deceived. The only offensive weapon that the Christian has in Ephesians chapter 6 is the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Up to now, Jesus wept. That's all you know. Jesus wept. How are you going to fight this enemy of ours if all you know is Jesus wept? We make fun of it. But the truth is, if that's the only thing you really know, how are you going to fight? You have got no bullets. You cannot. Cursed is the ground Because of you You listen to your wife Your wife gave you You ate You didn't protect her You didn't lead her There's a curse The curse to you From now on The ground is cursed In toil You will eat of it All the days of your life How are they going to feed themselves Before they disobeyed God? Huh? Did they just go to this tree This is good Let's bring, oh, this, this looks good too. I think this is where they had the phrase, picking apples. That's, that's literally what they did to survive. Because everything was made available to them, free of charge. They didn't have to do anything but to take care of the garden and eat of its produce. Now, because of the sin, now you will toil. You will have to labor. You will have to wake up in the morning, shower and change and drive the freeways to go to work. Continued. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. Araye. Right. Those of you who play golf, your ball is in the thorns. You want to you want to pick up the ball because it's expensive. So sometimes mm. You know what I'm talking about, brother. So sometimes you get the ball, but you have some scrapes, right? Now that's just a golf game. But if you have to harvest from within the thorn, so that you can eat, so that you can survive, it's difficult. And that is a consequence of man's sin. Both thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. In other translations, by the sweat of your brow. You will what? You will eat bread. So now, you have to work so that you can eat. Not only that. Till you have to work, what? Till you return to the ground. Till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Do not eat, for if you eat, you will what? Surely die. Did they die instantaneously? No. But then, because of their sin, they became mortal. In tagalog metaning. They began to die. The body would degenerate until finally it could no longer regenerate itself and human life as we know it will cease to exist for that person. From dust you were taken and to dust you shall return. Now they did not die physically but they began to die physically. But the more important kind of death, the sadder death if you wish would be to be removed from the very presence of God. Verse 20. Now the man called his wife the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living things of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. Before this, how did they clothe themselves? Fig trees. They sold fig leaves together which was very temporary, which was very flimsy. But what did God do? God made for them this God whom Adam and Eve disobeyed. This same God provided garments of skin for them. This is called grace. This is called the unmerited favor of God. They deserve to die because of their sin. Yet, because God is a gracious and loving God, He decided to cover them with a more permanent covering. And what is this permanent covering, may I ask? Garments of skin. Now let me ask you, where did God get these garments of skin? From the animal. And what happened to that animal so that the animal could provide the covering of skin For Adam and Eve. And what was the fault of the animal? So this innocent animal had to give up its life so that God could use the skin to cover the sin, the nakedness, the embarrassment of Adam and Eve. Yes? Is that not the grace of God? God provided the solution for them. God provided them with coverings, a more permanent solution to their shame. This animal, this innocent animal, had to be sacrificed so that Adam and Eve could be covered. In verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand And take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Is that not still the grace of God? That God, knowing that they've already sinned once, if we don't do something, they might continue to do this. He's still thinking about them. Do you see that in the verse? He is still, God is still thinking about Adam and Eve. That they might go back and get from the other tree. That's still the grace of God. And towards the end, he said, Therefore, the Lord God sent them out of the garden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So what was God's solution? So that they don't go back and partake of the tree and even partake of the tree of life. What did God do? Let's put them out. You see the grace of God? God still wanted to protect Adam and Eve. The only solution, however, was to put them out so that they could not go back and partake and disobey and continue in their disobedience. That's still the grace of God, people. He provided coverings for them and he put put them out so that you can't go back in. So he drove the man out At the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim with the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Friends, that's still the grace of God. But the devil would like to convince you and I. You see? God put them out because God is selfish. God is strict. God is this. God is that. He wants us to do away with God's grace. If you see the reason why God put them out was to prevent them from getting in and continuing to get from that tree and even partake of the tree of life. It was for their own good, for their own protection. However, they began to die physically and now they were put out of the very presence of God. Which is the sadder state? Think about it. Which is the worst condition? That you would begin to die physically or that you would be separated from God? The answer? Yes. I I I wouldn't choose. I have not it for me is a no-brainer because both of them are death. Both of them are separation. So what are we left to do? It's a good thing that despite of ourselves, God gave the promise as early as the book of Genesis. That's why it's important to study the book of Beginnings. Because herein we find the very promise of God with regards to your salvation and mine. In Genesis 3.15, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This is the prophecy about the coming Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I know? It says he God is going to send a male Messiah, a male Redeemer. He, who is this He? The seed of the woman. In the New Testament, you will read, especially in the book of Galatians, that born of the woman, born of the woman, it did say born of the man. Because for a man and a woman to recreate, you need the contribution from the male, The contribution from the female. When Mary was with child, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, she is only through the woman's seed. Consistent with Genesis chapter 3. Her seed, not the seed of a human male, but the seed of the Holy Spirit. Her seed, in the fullness of time, comes Jesus Christ, male. He, what is he going to do? He will crush the serpent's head. But in the process, the serpent will be able to strike him on the heel. That's why when Jesus Christ died on the cross, I think the devil thought, Ha! Yes! Yes. Wrong. Eh. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ died for our sins. Romans chapter 5. All of this elicit or should elicit a response from you and I. Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. It's humbling. You must come to the conclusion that I too am a sinner because one sin, one solitary act of disobedience against God brought sin into the world. And God said, if you eat, you will die. Therefore, death spread to all men because all have sinned. And in verse 15, God gives the promise. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. One sin entered the world. Death spread to all men because of that one sin. God promised to send one man, the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And through His grace, by one sacrifice, the grace of God can abound to the many. Grace is made available to everyone, but not everyone will accept the grace of God. Therefore, the provision of grace is available. But God still leaves the choice to you and to me. If you and I do not realize before God that we are dead to Him because of our sin, then we will have no use for the grace of God. We will not want to have anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to account for what it says in Romans 6.23. For the wages, plural, of sin, singular, is death. However, but the free gift of God is eternal life In Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's God's word. That's not my word. If you are guilty of sin, God demands a payment of death. Adam, Eve, do not eat. For if you eat, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death, but God's free gift is eternal life, which can only be found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What then are we supposed to do? How do we do it? How do we reconcile ourselves to God? Well, God tells us in Romans 10 verse 9 That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead You will be saved What should you confess? May I submit? You must confess that you're a sinner To confess is to acknowledge To confess is to agree with God Yes, God, I'm a sinner Second, you must also confess Jesus Christ as Lord, meaning to say you must acknowledge Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Master of your life. To accept Jesus Christ as only your Savior, but to reject Him as your Lord, my friends, is a counterfeit. And if you've been living a life that way, that I only receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, I don't care that He needs to be Lord over my life. I don't need to be concerned with whether I have to obey Him or not. Guys, you're missing the point. That's why we are commanded to make disciples, to teach all of you to obey all. Why? Because, well, I'm obeying God in this. I'm not obeying God in this. So is Jesus Christ Lord? Uh, Yeah, maybe of this. But not this. So I submit to you, if that's your attitude, Jesus Christ is not your Lord. I'm not saying you are capable in and of yourselves to obey all. But what I'm asking us and challenging us, do you have the desire within you to obey all that God has commanded you? God only told them one thing. Don't eat of that tree. Oh God, I obey you 99% of this much. So what are you? You're disobeying God in the 1%. Yes or no? Ah, but we like to debate. I'm 99 eh. How about this one percent? Dad, ma'am, I have good news for you. What? I'm only one week pregnant. <laughs> oh, one week lang pala eh! Wait, when did you get married? Oh, what did the doctor say? Oi, I have one percent cancer now. Will you take that? Will you accept that? I hope you don't accept that. And I hope you apply that same principle to our spiritual walk. When we say, I confess Jesus as Lord, it means that He is Lord of every aspect of my life. My relationship with my wife, my relationship with my children, my relationship at church, my driving on the highway, my stewardship of His blessing, everything. If not, then He's not Lord. Confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior. But from now on, you are also going to be the Lord of my life. Will you help me by your Holy Spirit to obey everything that you have commanded me to do? To show, to prove as the evidence that I love you. Not as a condition to be accepted. Because acceptance comes only in and through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And to say... Anything else would be to diminish the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. He was bruised by the serpent. He died physically. But after three days, he rose again. And he can give you eternal life. And then, those of us, all of us who have been put out of the garden because of our sin and go back and this time when you go back it will be for the rest of eternity that is the grace of God that's the grace of God and as I said it's really up to you to choose it is really up to you to decide who the Lord of your life will be, will it be you or will it be Jesus Christ who died for you? You and I, brothers and sisters, must assume responsibility. Let's stop passing the buck. Tell God, God, the buck stops with me. I am assuming personal responsibility for my actions. I humble myself before you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I need Jesus Christ to come into my life to save me from the penalty of my sin and from now on be the Lord and Master of my life. That, my friends, is true repentance. That, my friends, is true acceptance of the grace of God. Let's pray. Friend, if you are here this morning and you have never come to faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not understood the grace of God and the consequences of our sin, then perhaps this morning your eyes can be opened not to the sin that we have or we do but perhaps your eyes can be opened to the grace of God and the salvation that he is offering to you this morning only God can speak to your heart so I ask you to spend a few quiet moments right now and if God is speaking to you then why don't you speak to God and tell Him what is really in your heart? If you have that vacuum within you that needs to be filled by Jesus alone, why don't you humble yourselves And ask Jesus to come in to your life and forgive you of all your sins and trespasses. And thank Him for the free gift of eternal life that He has given to you today. Commit to study the Bible so that you know what God wants for you to obey as proof, as evidence of your new relationship with him. If you're here this morning and you've already asked Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Savior and as your Lord but you're losing your way You're in sin and you don't know how to get out of it. Will you in humility ask the Lord to rescue you from your situation? His word says if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. That he is no respecter of persons. That no matter what you have done against him, he is there willing, able, and ready to forgive. God, we thank you for reminding us of what happened in the book of Genesis. How mankind has fallen and how your grace survives, pervades, and is victorious. God, do not allow any one of us to trample underfoot the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ and to set aside the grace that you've given to us, undeserving as we are. But Lord, I pray that we will all assume the responsibility of living a life worthy of the calling, to live a life for Jesus, to live a life of obedience, to live a life that will reflect the image of your Son, Jesus, in all of our individual and collective lives, thereby bringing glory and honor to your name. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name.